Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the American Gods podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me, of course, is my co-host, Sarah, and we also have a special guest host today, Jacob. Hey, Godlings. Hello. So, <laughs> so, okay, this is obviously a huge episode, right? Because we just watched American Gods, the first episode, the pilot. The pilot. I mean, we've been waiting for this moment for so long, and it's been a year yeah. in the making for us. Um, much, much longer if you've been looking forward to an adaptation of the show, uh, which I think a lot of us have over the years, thought about it off and on. Like, oh, I wonder if they made a, a show out of American Gods. What would that look like? And... This is what it looks like, and I can speak. Incredible. Yes, I guess I say I can. I can speak for all of this by just saying, I think it exceeded our expectations, and I can be. I can honestly tell you that my expectations were pretty high going into this, and it blew me away. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, what did you what did you think of the uh, first episode? It's stellar, like beyond any expectations I had, and yeah, just like you, I had. High expectations, because we know Brian Fuller, we know his work, it's always the best, and we just never expected that it would be this level of excellence, and he rocks it. Freaking rocks it. I mean, Neil Gaiman, Brian Fuller, Michael Green, you guys outdid yourselves. You really did. It's phenomenal, right? Uh, it is really, really amazing. <laughs> it, the, the visuals, the script... The dialogue, uh, the visuals, um, the characters, <laughs> the visuals, um, you know, but, but if you're a, a fan of Brian Fuller, then you know what you're in for, right? Because oh, these visuals yes. are straight from Hannibal, this quality, the slow motion uh, that we see that it kind of really had a major impact on Hannibal, uh, the vivid colors, um the beautiful cinematography, it, it all comes together. And if you thought Hannibal was the most beautiful show you'd ever seen, at least for one episode so far, I can honestly say it's got to run for its money. And who knows, it could possibly exceed. And I, no, that's blasphemy to say that, Sarah. But uh, yes, it it, it, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, if you're looking for the most beautiful show on television right now, it's American Gods. Absolutely. It was like snuggling back into like a homey place. We've literally been starving for two years without Hannibal. And this just felt like that fanable home, you know? It felt familiar and perfect. Just, yeah. I can't describe it any better than that. Jacob, what about you? Uh, give us your thoughts on, you know, what was going through your head in the closing you know, moments of the pilot of the Bone Orchard being the title for the episode. So what'd you think? Uh, just phenomenal, like you said, effects. Uh, I Visually stunning. And even outside of some of the just wittiest dialogue and funniest lines and probably most anticipated lines compared to the book, <laughs> it, it wasn't afraid to allow the scenes with no dialogue or no action to just resonate with the audience and it it, it had a, just such a good balance of action dialogue and just time to let you observe 
everything that's going on. And it was just phenomenal. I completely agree. I think that what really impressed me before we get into some of the specific scenes we'll talk about here, what really impressed me about the pilot was the combination of narrative momentum that we saw, right? Because we have a story to tell. All right. So we get introduced to shadow and then we see what happens in the, you know, next, you know, couple of days with shadow. And uh, we'll get to that in a second, but so you have the combination of the, the forward momentum of the narrative for the show you have uh, the action that takes place, but also there are these fantastic moments where the show allows itself to slow down and take its time and let scenes breathe. This is one of the most underrated aspects of a great show. Having a lot of yeah. action, and whether it's uh, through just you know physical action, you know chase scenes, whatever, uh, or action as terms of like. Uh, powerful scenes with characters where there's a, like the arguing or there's a forceful speech where there's just energy. Yeah, there's also times where slowing it down though is for the benefit of a show. Too many shows feel like if they got to keep pushing it, more action, just constant energy throughout the show. And sometimes that's great. But a lot of times what happens with shows like that is that they don't realize the benefit of having moments where it's about character it's not about what crazy thing can i do on on the screen and while american god certainly has that in spades in this pilot episode uh, i think what it also has are moments where for instance shadow is just brooding i don't i don't want to say brooding he's dealing with a lot and you see what he's going through you see the expression on his face you see the uh, position of his body, the body language, and everything that he's going through. And Ricky Whittle paints a good portrait of a man who's struggling to stay afloat. And the show Broken. allows that to be seen without feeling it necessary to cut that down or hurry it along. And I, I really like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And when we go through the scenes, there's a few scenes where he just kills it with his facial expressions and his demeanor. I mean, he knocks it out of the park. Every single person involved in this episode kills it. <laughs> there's going to be a few stars we're going to talk about. But as acting-wise, there is no weakness in this whatsoever. Everyone has their A-game. Everyone is bringing everything they have, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it is, like, the best. <laughs> Yeah. Um, go ahead, ja go ahead, Jacob. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. Just especially considering uh, just how often in the book you kind of get to see in Shadow's head and like it actually has him thinking and that being visible on the page. But in the show, it's kind of a lot harder to do that and they don't. But what really helps get those points across and a lot of that is his facial expression. Just... Like when he's in the car for like five minutes by himself in that scene, it not a single line is said, but you could just see train of thought that goes through his head. And he, yeah, just everybody in the show so far is just undoubtedly a fantastic actor. 
they they did a stellar job and they just worked so well off of each other. Amen. Hey, definitely. <laughs> uh, we'll get to the change between uh, book shadow and uh, the shadow we see on the screen here uh, in a second. Uh, I guess. I guess what we probably could or should do is we can talk about these, but let's kind of let I guess, let's let's start by let's go right in the show. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Let's actually just move into what we see happening on on the show, and we can then discuss in broad strokes uh, some of the bigger scenes, and then we can get down to some of the nitty gritty if we want to, and talk about things we really enjoy, things maybe we don't enjoy. Uh, we haven't talked about anything so far. We didn't talk beforehand much uh, about what we liked or didn't like. So if there's any criticisms, you know, we're not really aware of either each of our criticisms or, you know, what we like or dislike about the show beyond just what we just said. Yeah, and I will say also that um, there are some things in this first episode that have foreshadowing and allude to the future and spoilers of the future. We're going to save talking about that till the very end. So yeah, we will discuss these scenes, but anything that's spoiler to what the future may hold for the story, we're going to save to the end. So nobody gets spoiled of future events. If you haven't read the books. Yeah, precisely. Okay. Let's talk about the pilot. So, we start out the episode with a scene that we've never seen before. Um, this was created specifically uh, for the the show, and it illustrates something very important. In a lot of ways, it illustrates the main concept for the entire narrative for this show. Um, and we'll get to more of that later. But we have this opening scene where we have Vikings, right? They come from the sea. They've been... You know, basically just out there surviving, rowing, and they finally see land. They make land, and uh, before long, they get attacked. Uh, one of their guys has an absurd amount of arrows. I mean, <laughs> he gets shiskabobbed like no one's business. It, he oh looks my. like a he looks like a porcupine. Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but hilarious and. Not hilarious at the same time, you know. Um, <laughs> but pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, one of those grotesque scenes that you just couldn't help but chuckle at. And if you were to ask any <laughs> psychiatrist or psychologist and they watch that, they would probably assume you are a sociopath, but you just still <laughs> can't help it because it's just an obscene amount of arrows that just, in, in, in the essence of the term, overkill for this one... <laughs> Viking, like at least what thirty else, in the head alone, dude. Yeah, like <laughs> oh my, like pincushion is an understatement for this one guy. Seriously, yeah, yeah definitely. They're restocked on arrows, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they realize pretty quickly that they got to get out of there. This is not good for them. Uh, unfortunately, there's no wind. Uh, they can't leave without wind to get them across the sea. And so after a while, they, they carve a totem to Odin, right? And they, they put it in the yes. ground. They pray. They do all these things that they think will get 
Odin or their god to, you know, create a wind and get them out of there. It's not working. And that's because they eventually realize, of course, their god is a god of war. So the first thing they do is they get a hot poker out of the fire and they take out their right eye, the right eye of each person, each man, which, by the way, yep. sucks. <laughs> and like they didn't prep us for this whatsoever. You just see this guy picking up a hot poker and you're like, oh, God, this is going to get intense. And before you can even finish that thought, they're already poking out their eyes. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn. Yep. I'm with the clincher. Uh, so good. And it's just when he does it to himself at the very end, it's like, God, holy Dude. crap. Like, uh, it was just oh. baffling. Doesn't even get a buddy to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, I'll do it myself. Don't you fret. <laughs> right in the eye. I got this. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty great. They realize that's not enough, and it leads them to split up into two separate you know, groups and they fight each other. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not playing here. I mean, this is all out fight to the death because they realize what's necessary. Arms are flying and (laughs) gore is like everywhere. Oh my gosh. I mean, the gods of red dye and corn syrup are now thriving thanks to Brian (laughs) Fuller. Yeah, I think stock in, in those companies that uh, provide that is probably a good thing right now. You're making some <laughs> <Right>. money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and so that works. And that allows the, the winds pick up. They realize, yes, we got what we needed. Uh, the rest that have survived without even really taking care of wounds or anything, climb in the boats, and they hightail it out of there. And with like no intention of talking about it or anything for like the rest Ever of the lives. Ever returning onto yeah. a boat. <laughs> so uh, that leads right into our first scene. Um, now, the first thing we probably have to say is before we even got to the Viking, we got our first look at uh, a certain someone who likes to write books. A uh, uh, yes, Mister Ibis. Yes. <laughs> So gorgeous man himself. Yes. He was writing about this very thing. Of course, he writes stories, as you know, if you've read the book. And if you don't know, well, this isn't the last time you'll see his character, put it that way. Oh, heavens no. (laughs) Um, But that leads us into our first scene with Shadow. Shadow uh, wakes up. He's in prison. And it's, well, (laughs) it's just another day, right? (laughs) For him. Yeah, he's out in the courtyard working now, getting buffer than usual, and talking with his bunk mates. Uh, and they don't mention the name. I like that yeah. that they're kind of keeping their watchers in suspense. That's I like that they did that. that yeah, good. and it, you know they're talking right. Uh, they're, they're lifting weights, and you know this guy is just talking a mile a minute because <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> Jonathan Tucker kills this. No. He just. He is amazing. He brings it. Uh, he brings just that that certain just frenetic energy that I love so much about his performances. And it's really is a great performance. Limited screen time. He's not in this very much, but he really shines in the moments that he's on screen. Um, but all of this ultimately leads to a scene um, about airports and... You really shouldn't uh, anger the people <laughs> in airports. Uh, well, that's a little further in. I know. But he's 
<laughs> we just want to get right into it. Like, yeah, we're talking about uh, his bunkmate. Might as well get into this. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a scene here that we're going to play, and uh, this illustrates exactly what we're talking about. So, here it is. Do not piss off those bitches in airports. Take a lesson from Johnny Larch. I don't know Johnny Larch. Johnny Larch got out after five years. He gets to the airport, hands his ticket to the woman at the counter who asks for his driver's license. He gives it to her. She says it's expired. He says it might not be a valid driver's license, but it's a damn fine identification. There's my picture, my weight, and my height. Who the fuck do you think it is? She says, I'll thank you for not using that sort of language with me, sir. He says, give me my fucking boarding pass right fucking now. Now, he has the right to take that tone. She was disrespecting him. You don't let people disrespect you in prison? Why the fuck would he let her disrespect him as a free man? Mm-mm. She hit a button. Security shows up. He's back in prison. You understand what I'm saying right now? One of those behaviors that work inside a specialized environment such as a prison but compel to work when outside such an environment sort of situation. No, dummy. I'm saying do not piss off those bitches in airports. Okay, Sarah, what did you think about this scene? Oh, well, anything that... Jonathan Tucker does in this episode, he nails. So hearing him talk about, uh, you know, quote bitches in airports <laughs> is brilliant. Uh, and it, it Shadow tries to be deep and profound and thinking about, you know, uh, certain, you know, behaviors that work on prison don't work on the real world. And he's just like, no, you idiot. Just don't piss off those bitches in airports. And I love it. It's so, so his character. Absolutely. That's oh, great. Uh, and yeah, it, just, it really gets... Go ahead. Oh, and it's just... Jonathan Tucker, just his voice. I, I was wondering just when first hearing about this show being made from the book, how how this character would actually sound and how snarky and like he would come across and just everything. <laughs> and this scene alone just tells me that Jonathan Tucker epitomizes this character and that just that capability and that snarky attitude uh, yeah you may technically be right but you're not really right there Shadow quit being a dummy like this is what <laughs> really is the problem yeah it's perfect for his character and before we go any further I do want to mention that when they're outside in the courtyard, at the ending of their conversation, Shadow says that he smells snow, and you know it's clearly summertime and the sun's beaten down. Uh, and just want to mention that that's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're outside, they're lifting weights, and, and Loki's kind of spotting them. And yeah, he's like, I can smell snow. You know, We'll talk about this a little more later, but about what it could mean, but I do want to mention that it's there. Right. Uh, that leads into the next where, where Shadow uh, calls Laura and uh, they have this conversation. But the first thing on the courtyard is he sees a noose. Yeah, those see. guys are just like giving him the death glare and holding a noose. Like, oh, these guys are friendly. <laughs> right. And the weird thing is they might not be actors because they filmed this in a real prison. Like, uh, 
people next to Shadow's cell that they're filming in were actual cellmates that were like on death row. So who knows? <laughs> they don't yeah, like you. Ricky don't really Little. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Shadow calls and talks to Laura, and uh, she's like, you know, happy. He's happy. He's like, I'm going to be out shortly. Um, you know, you can tell she's excited about it. And uh, she talks about you know, she and Robbie are going to be planning his surprise party. And she's like, you know, you're not supposed to know about it. So, you know, but be surprised. Yeah. Be surprised. Act surprised at least. And yeah, uh, yeah it's such a, a good scene because you can see like he hasn't seen her in years, you know, unless she came yeah, to visit three him. Years. But yeah, it's just and- go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I love you know, this interaction with them, and and just if the the scene that follows also when Shadow's sleeping, mm-hmm. when he's you know looking at Laura sleeping in her bed, how his mind is showing him Laura so innocent. You know, she's got these really nice pajamas on, and she's tucked into bed by herself, and it's just this innocent homey thing to grasp onto. I think his mind's just preparing him already, because immediately right after that you go into the bone, or- bone orchard and you know that image is about to get shattered. Right. Of course, the, a bone orchard is another term for a cemetery. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the bone orchard scene is is pretty amazing. There's just skeletons everywhere, skulls, uh, rib cages. And then we see him look up in the sky. He has like this starry universe kind of looking thing. Uh, we see the tree slash his face. You know, like it bends the arms down, slashes his face, and then a noose drops down. So, again. This one has like razors on it. Yeah, I know, okay. right? It's like, We're well, upping the ante. Right, gee, thanks. You know, can't just give me a noose. you got to give him with blades. So, good. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But Shadow wakes up the next day. He gets uh, told he has to go see the warden. Goes in the office. The warden looks like, boy, this is not somebody I want to talk to right now, but I have to. And he just comes out and says, you know, I'm just going to come out and say this. Uh, we're letting you out of, you know, a couple of days early, but unfortunately your wife has died. Such a way to say yeah. it, too. And- yeah. Yeah. And Ricky Whittle, this is one of the best moments where it's his face that every muscle and nerve is completely being used Mm -hmm. you just see his entire face like clench and you know shift and the the emotion of you know of being completely distraught and grieving and horrified is there but he's holding it back because he don't want to do that in front of a warden or anybody else in prison and he nails it he freaking nails it yeah he does a great job. There's this scene where he's in a cell and he washes his face and then he picks his ring up and there's this moment where he's getting ready to put the ring on and there's a pause like he knows it's kind of stupid to even put it on. She's dead, so why am I putting this ring on? But then he puts it on anyway. It's just this little moment that speaks volumes about his character you know, as a person and the grief that he's going through and the struggle in that moment. The wanting to acknowledge what happened oh, yeah. and yet not wanting to acknowledge 
what happened, you know? Yeah. So he's, uh, gets on the bus. He's a free man now. Yeah. They give him a, a suit to wear and they probably gave him, I assume some, some money. I think they do that when you get out, they give you like a, a couple hundred bucks or something like that. Um, I don't know that for sure. If anybody out there knows for sure whether that's the case, let me know. But, you know, he gets out of prison. You know, he wouldn't have any money, I wouldn't think. But he has a card and I think he has cash. So he must have some spending money when he gets out. Uh, And he goes to the airport (laughs) to to get his flight. Uh, Unfortunately, he gets told he's not going anywhere. And can we, like, freak out about how the woman who's the bitchy airline oh, lady, that's, um, oh, I can never pronounce her is, name correctly. Uh, is it Shabon? Yes. Shabon. Uh, yeah, I think it's Shabon. Long name. Let me just double check. Going through all my tweets here, because I know I tweeted about it. Uh, yes. And apparently I passed it. Oh yeah, Saban Fallon Hogan. Yeah, yeah. I, when I saw her, I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that she was going to be in this. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome. She's great. Yeah, and of course that gets us to the uh, the Loki scene we just played here uh, about five minutes ago or so, uh, which is you know again a brilliant scene and it illustrates this this point. So when we get back from this scene, uh, rather than be angry. Shadow turns around and is very calm and says, you know, what's your, you know, next flight that I can get on tomorrow? And you have to remember this scene with Loki, the point that Loki was making was this point. Like when you get out, you cannot get angry. That The, the story had a purpose. The purpose was to teach Shadow that if you get in the same situation, which may happen, keep your cool. And there's a good chance that without this story, Shadow may have done what the guy that Loki was talking Johnny about. Uh, I can't think of his name, but what what he did, which was get really angry and get tossed back into prison and do something. So there was a yeah. point to that story. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's him. So. But yeah, and so he gets to wait there overnight and sleep in the very uncomfortable chairs and he's waiting for his flight and you know they're taken in first class people first and there he is Ian McShane (laughs) bringing his A-game you know portraying Uh, this you know hapless helpless old man who can't be can't do anything without his like son and I'm like oh my god he did it so well like I was I was blown away by this just it's so simple but really good oh my god he kills it really so good (laughs) it was amazing yeah what did you think jacob (laughs) unpreviously exposed uh viewers who don't who haven't read the books so it's just a nice little way of like oh you kind of feel bad for the old guy and then when you see him a little bit later you're like all right this is a this is an interesting fellow. And it just, it, uh, just that scene made me just absolutely laugh as loud as I possibly could, <laughs> just because it it is the epitome of that character. 
Yeah, that is Wednesday to a T, conning mm-hmm. and manipulating everyone around him. It was perfectly done. Right, because it illustrates his essence, his core, and which you yep. only find out by the next scene. And what I love about the first scene and I love about the second scene is the vast contrast, right? Because he is in his, well, I don't want to say he's ever out of his con man mode because I think there is a default con man kind of mode he's always in. But the person that we see on the plane, obviously, and the person that we see at the counter uh, are completely different people. They have different temperaments, different personalities, uh, different speaking patterns, different body language. His hair is much different. In the first scene, is very kind of messed up, like someone who hasn't bathed recently. Whereas the person sitting in the seat, uh, his hair is coiffed and it, it's looking, you know, um, styled even just a little bit. But that's what's great about it. We see the brilliance of Wednesday through these two scenes because they are just two vastly different people or vastly, vastly different personalities because he has done it for a reason. Even in this scene with Shadow, is this really Wednesday? Or is this, again, a version of Wednesday? And I always look at Wednesday as he's always playing a version of himself. The problem is, is there is about a billion versions of Wednesday out there. And there's never a single one which is the truest version of Wednesday himself. He's always playing a con, always playing a game with every single person he meets. Mm -hmm. And that's what's brilliant about his character. And that's what Ian McShane understands about Wednesday. Yes. Completely agree, yeah. He completely epitomizes who Wednesday is, and he's truly the character. He embodies everything, and Ian McShane delivers it like nobody else could, honestly. From seeing him in that moment, there is no other that could play Mr. Wednesday, in my mind. Ever again, no one can take that place. I think he nails something that I was so afraid going into the show. I, there's one thing I was really terrified of, regardless of who was Wednesday on screen. There is this sardonic, sardonic amusement to Wednesday. This kind of, um, uh, I guess, kind of blasé attitude that he can take sometimes where he's just always, he's, he has a mischievous twinkle in his eye and a slight <laughs> smirk on his face. And the way he speaks and the way he acts in those moments is something that I was afraid that the actor wouldn't understand and therefore wouldn't portray it properly. But um, I'm actually so impressed that Ian McShane got that. And it has to be because both Brian Fuller knew this about the character and of course no gaiman was on set and i'm sure and in this you know writing the scripts but on set and probably made sure that ian mcshane understood this about the character uh, because without this kind of amused constantly uh, amused expression on his face the way he is that sardonic amusement i i don't think the character would have come across quite the way he should have uh, it is the core of, of wednesday yeah, yeah. What do you think, Jacob? Just, what did you like about uh, this scene without, here on, the, on the plane? You know, taking word for word from the book, it really got everything that was needed as well as just 
was a, a fun scene because Wednesday being Wednesday and his little snarky knows more than he really should mentality and just seeing like visually seeing shadow gradually getting pissed off at him for it. Like you could just see like, <laughs> now how the hell did you know I was a prisoner? What the hell? What? Come on. Like it just, it was amazing to see the just subtle things. And when he finally tells him his name, <laughs> yeah, on both characters introducing themselves, it was amazing. Like getting the obvious, uh, Wednesday line. <laughs> uh, it's my day. And, uh, oh no, and then just hearing, uh, Wednesday talking about Shadow's name and calling his parents hippies <laughs> and just, uh, it, it really was a great back and forth of these two characters that if it was any other actor <laughs> in either part, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah, I totally. Yeah, I know I, those lines. Two <laughs> lines in this scene that I want to talk about in the spoiler version that just yeah, Brian. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Brian Fuller has a way of subtly playing the truth while you know being loud at the same time, and he ha- his knack for doing that, and he does it here, and I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, what we're going to do here is we're actually going to play this scene in its entirety just because it deserves to be played. The audio deserves to be hear, <laughs> uh, heard once again. Excuse me. So uh, here's the scene and we'll, we'll play this before we move on to uh, the next scene here, which involves the buffalo. So here it is. Guess this must be your lucky day, huh? Cashews. Thank you. Love them. Native to Brazil, but grow like motherfuckers in Florida. Mm. I'm supposed to take your drink, sir. Yeah, but you're not going to, are you? Because you would have said, I need to take your drink, sir, or I'm going to have to take that drink, sir. Neither of which happens, so don't worry about it. I'll hold her very tight while you pour my friend here a Jack and Coke. And get me another one. Thank you. Are you nervous? Uh, never flown before. Nothing to it. Just sit back, be a bird, and drink up. I offer you the worm from my beak and you look at me like I fucked your mom? Sorry. No, I just... You're just the first person I've talked to who wasn't an asshole. Give me time. Nice work on the upgrade. Straight up sympathy plan. It's risky. Airlines are the ultimate clip joint. They deserve that and worse. But what would you have done, my boy? Good Samaritan. Gentleman's curve if I was a traveling man. I wish you are not. Mm -mm. No, sir, not me. Seems like a firm decision made for good reasons. I can respect that. A man gets out of prison, he should concentrate above all on not going back. Oh, don't worry about me. I've got an eye for these things. Just the one when I can see that you're not used to the fresh air, but I don't see the joy of being out 
Oh, so you lost something vital in there, not just time. What should I call you if I was so inclined? Shadow Moon. Oh, my boy, that is one outstandingly improbable name. Shadow Moon? Moon Shadow. Goddamn hippie parents. Hippie parent. Your mama had a big afro, huh? Dancing queen? Yeah, she had the whole kid. And if I was inclined, what might I call you? What's today? Wednesday. Hmm. Today's my day. Let's go with that, huh? Thank you so much, darling. Thank you. Please remain in your seat. Mm. Always good to meet a fellow traveler, Shadow. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry, but when you were, what was your downfall? Uh, casinos. Oh, bang, bang, big time, huh? huh. Yeah, and some small time. Uh... <laughs> yeah, better the small than big. Oh, you got more talent than me. I got two. One is I can sleep anywhere, anytime. The other one is that I usually end up getting what I want. On average, over time. It's all about getting people to believe in you. It's not their cash, it's their faith. We'll take this plane, for example. This 80-ton chub of metal, seat cushions, and Bloody Mary mix has no right to be soaring through the sky, but along comes Newton and explains something about the airflow over the wing creating an uplift or some such shit, none of which makes a lick of sense, but you got 82 passengers back there who believe it so fiercely the plane continues its journey safely. Now, what's keeping us aloft? Faith? Or Newton? Hmm. They give you a free little shit kit in first class. You might not have known that. How you fixed for work? It means work when you're rich, huh? Well, I just happened to be in a hiring position. And I could be Mr. Wednesday with a shake of the hand. Perfectly legal work, for the most part. Good money, open roads, no aggravation. Well, a little bit by and by, but, uh, you know. I would have no hesitation in hiring an ex-con. Don't rush into this. Take your time. Huh? No, thank you, but I already have a job waiting for me. My buddy's Jim. No, you don't. I could use a fellow like you. There's always work for a big guy who's smart enough to know he's better off letting people think he's dumb. Oh, and by the way, did I mention the bonuses? Outstanding benefits. I'll even throw it a pension if you'd like. And I can tell you what the fuck a pension is. <laughs> Hell, by the end of your tenure, you could be the next king of America. And I told you I got a job. No, of course. Anyway, as a wise man once said, man gets out of prison, he should be focused above all on not going back. <sighs> Don't rush into it. <sighs> okay. Uh, as you can see, as we talked about, it's a great scene. It's amazing. Uh, I love everything. I've watched this scene about four times already. I'll probably end up watching it again. <laughs> before the night's out so yeah that's such a great scene and i think everything we talked about in this scene really landed um i didn't you know see anything in the scene that we really didn't touch on uh because it's such a brilliant uh span of like three or four minutes where we really get to see everything about a character so it's great and also uh 
when he's dreaming of the buffalo and the tree and everything, the, you know, telltale eerie music that goes with Brian Fuller kicks in and I just got like shivers. I'm like, yes, it's back. These sounds have returned and Brian Fuller is completely back in his element and we're so happy that we get to hear these crazy eerie sounds and Mm -hmm. get these beautiful uh, visual shots. It's like being back home with TV. (laughs) Yep. Because we get to see the tree again, of course. And for the first time, we get to see the buffalo. Uh, So it won't be the last time we see the white buffalo. Yep. And there's flames coming out of his eyes. And then, of course, he jerks awake because he's being woken up by the stewardess. Finding out he's the last person on the plane. Everyone else has exited, including <laughs> Wednesday. Uh, turns out there was an emergency landing. So rather than get on another plane, Shadow decides that he's going to uh, just rent a car. Unfortunately, yeah. well, first thing that happens is he he's driving down the road. You can see the look on his face. It Things are building. The frustration, the Gives anguish. Gives him time to think. Time to think. And so he pulls off the side of the road, walks for, you know, I don't know how long, but enough to where he gets out in the middle of nowhere, gets to the edge of a cliff, and he just lets out a bellow, a scream of pure rage and anguish. And you can see the clouds in the distance forming, which is amazing. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, love the scene. Yeah, and it's just... The way the music is over this, and he, like you said in the beginning, Jacob, he doesn't speak a word, and it's just nice. Like he, the way he acts, it it's perfect. It, you get to feel everything that he's feeling—the anger and anguish, and yep. just everything that comes with being completely broken. And it, he does it so well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next scene we have is uh, one that most fans have been looking forward to ever since the <laughs> the show was announced. Oh, yes. It is uh, it is the scene with Bilquis. Boy, I got some things to say about this scene. <laughs> uh, the one thing I want to say about this, regardless of anything else, the one thing that I was very impressed about was how tastefully it was done. Because if this hadn't been done in the way it was shot and edited it could have come across in a very bad way but i thought the way they did it paid tribute to the scene in the book without feeling really like super exploitive i guess and just insensitive and a bit tone deaf it was done in a way which felt like it paid justice and to the character and the scene but yet it was edited and done in a way which felt just well done, well executed. Like they really took the time to plan this entire scene out shot by shot, like they had in their head how it was going to look. And they did a great job here. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. It was so well done, so well built. And, you know, they show Bill Quist's, in the beginning, how you can see it's probably been a while because her face is like a little aged and you know, they add those details in, but she's still freaking stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> nobody would say no to her. <laughs> yeah. 
God, and like the, the red curtains, I'm just like, ah, Twin Peaks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, this guy did a really good job, too, uh, the person hanging out with her. <laughs> uh, I love the line where he's like, I'm glad my kids forced me to go on that stupid internet thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes, daddy's going on an adventure. <laughs> uh, you could say that. <laughs> I don't think you'll uh, be yeah, seeing him anytime soon. <laughs> both parts were just... Oh, it's so great. It's so great. What do you think, Jacob? It was so well done. Seeing the transition... From and his lines when he's worshiping her, you could definitely tell like there was something that changed, and it, it wasn't really him anymore saying those. It was kind of him being forced to, and it was really well done scene. And I, I, I mean, it was the only way they could have done it, but it was still surprising to just see him actually getting smaller, like. I was shocked, but I was like, "That's yeah, that's the only way that could be done, like, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it was so... Oh. Completely just messed up, and, but yeah, it was just, it was very well done, and you, they just, they did a good job with the effects and making it feel like that. Yeah, like... <laughs> Yes, yeah. and a freaking plus to today, <laughs> Badaki, mm-hmm. for being able to do everything in that scene. My God, she is so naked, yeah. so naked. You can see everything. You can see Bush. <laughs> I mean, that is as naked as you can be and get on TV without it being porn. She nailed it so well. I mean, her face, you know, her the anger and. You know, the demand for worship. She just, oh my god, I'm so in love with the scene. Oh, it was done so well. Yeah. They nailed like it. Like I said, tastefully done. It was done just the way it needed to in order to get the whole thing across like it was on the page without feeling like, like let's see how far we can take this. That wasn't the purpose <laughs> of the scene. And, and other shows and other showrunners would have done that. Uh, in this case, I don't think that was done at all. I thought it was just tastefully well done and well executed. So, uh, yeah, kudos to everybody involved. And, yeah, Yedere Baki, definitely fantastic job. Um, so the next <laughs> scene we have Shadow. He's uh, pulled off, and uh, he's at the Crocodile Bar. So, yay. Uh, he goes in, Love this. Yeah, he goes inside, and he asks... The, like burger, yeah. the woman at the bar, you know, what you can get for basically nothing. And she said, was this a chili and something else? Was that? Buffalo, buffalo burger. burger. Right. Of course. Buffalo burger. Right. Mm-hmm. And buffalo. Um, <laughs> he goes into the bathroom. Him, and of course, it's Wednesday. <laughs> if we talk about how for a second the camera is shot over the urine stream, I was like, my fiance didn't know that. Really, Brian? <laughs> this was necessary. Apparently, this is pertinent to the story. Apparently, this is some character development. Surprise. It's like, it's actually a common it's thing. Like, it's like kind of a thing for drunk guys to aim at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 
he gets into a bit of a tiff with Wednesday because Wednesday again offers him the job. He he's starting to get mad now. Like he he said no the first time. He doesn't want to hear it again. He doesn't want a stupid job. Uh, Wednesday infers, however, that he doesn't have a job to go to, and then kind of lets the bomb slip that uh, his best friend is no longer alive either. <laughs> Yeah, and shows him the obituary, and Shadow's world just crumbles a little bit more. Like, if he had anything to hold on to, it was that you know he had a best friend to lean on and a job waiting mm. for him. He could get his life back together eventually, and that just oh, got yeah. taken away from him. Just like that. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. So. Um, so they go out, and... <laughs> they sit down and they try to Wednesday essentially tries to get him to agree to this job but, but at this point it's almost like Wednesday has broken Shadow down I mean I guess it's not that hard <laughs> when you find out that not only has your wife died but your best friend has died oh and that job you thought you had you don't really have it so really you don't have anything in your life so hey why not work uh, for me yeah, just and that's basically how yeah. it one the fact that the song was the exact song yeah, reference sure in does. the book to just what did you think of this, Jacob? giggle a little bit because, yeah, of course it has to have that song just because of how in depth it goes into the book and yeah, uh, just mm-hmm. the fact of uh, like the coin toss to get him to <laughs> basically work for him is just so well done, so hilarious, and just seeing. Wednesday take this overly confident shadow and his one thing that he does well and just takes it away from him. It's like, it's like a kicked puppy. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Leave me with something, please. Yeah, absolutely. I like that it was cute. The bartender calls him Kitty. And it's just funny because his wife calls him puppy. puppy. I thought that was just a great touch. Yeah, it was was nice. Yeah, you know, Wednesday being, you know, the master con man that he is, he's better than Shadow. Uh, But Shadow doesn't understand why he's better. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't understand that Wednesday is doing what he's doing with an unfair advantage, meaning power. Powers. (laughs) And uh, if you thought that was unfair... Uh, wait till you see what's next. And what's next is this scene. This scene introducing Mad Sweeney. Good tricks, is it? You working for our man, then? Are you? I'm a leprechaun. Okay, you're a little tall for a leprechaun. That's a stereotype. Represents a very narrow view of the world. So what? You're from Ireland? I told you I'm a leprechaun. We don't come from Moscow, Russia. Or Moscow, Idaho, for that matter. How much has our man told you? No details. Devil's in the details. 
you know who he is? Who he really is? Well, I'm never mad, Sweeney, as I live and breathe. What a surprise. Southern Comfort and Coke for you, Jack Daniels for me, and these are for you, Shadow Moon. What is it? Sweeter, smoother, stranger. It's mead, honey wine. Drink of heroes, drink of the gods. Tastes like a drunken diabetic's piss. It's a tradition. It seals our bargain. We don't have a bargain. Of course we do. I won the toss. You work for me now. You're my aide-de-camp, my castellan. Protect and serve. You drive where needs driving to. You take care of things generally on my behalf. And in an emergency, in an emergency only, you kick the asses of those whose asses require kicking. And in the unlikely event of my death, you will hold my vigil. He's hustling you. He's a hustler. Damn right, I'm a hustler, swindler, cheater, and liar. That's why I need assistance. you want but you want to know what i want of course i do name your price i just want to go to my wife's funeral okay i just want to say goodbye now after that you're fine i'll work for you for two thousand dollars a week you want me to hurt people no you know hurt people if they try and hurt you i'm not gonna hurt anyone for fun or profit i work for you up to which point you start to piss me off Second seals the deal, the third is the charm, and we're done. easier just to pluck them out of the air. Simplest trick in the world. How'd you do it? Tell you what. I'll fight you for it. Okay, so in this scene, like we get introduced to Matt Sweeney, an amazing character, fan favorite, 
for a reason. Uh, it's a bit of a long scene, <laughs> I know. Uh, it spans a few minutes because it introduces Matt Sweeney. Of course, Wednesday comes back with the, the mead and everything. And then we see Matt Sweeney whipping coins out of nowhere. Right. Yeah, very well and done. And again, Wednesday is much better and so is Matt Sweeney because again they're all doing this with powers that Shadow doesn't have he doesn't or he doesn't understand how to use them yet or anything <laughs> like he doesn't understand what to do he doesn't understand how to create anything he's just a man sitting there unable to figure out how someone could take a a coin which he has used right to like oh this will come up tails every single time uh but you know in wednesday's case comes up heads so how's that happen yeah right and man sweeney is the same thing you know he's just hey i'm a leprechaun what do you mean you're a leprechaun i'm a leprechaun <laughs> doesn't even no. like try to hide it he's like yeah i'm a leprechaun yeah i'm a leprechaun <laughs> I love the line, like, oh, you're from Ireland? He's like, well, I ain't from Moscow, Russia. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And then yeah. they had that uh, book well, favorite man. line, that mead tastes like drunken <laughs> diabetics piss. Yes. Oh, yes. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> awesome, wonderful lines in this scene, truly. So Sweeney has some of the best oh, he lines. Did. He did. So, Jacob, uh, your just, thoughts on this introduction to Mad Sweeney situation where and his interaction saying, with, with Shadow, the whole thing. Damn near perfect, if you could find any fault, I beg of you to try, seeing an interaction between the, the characters, and Pablo Shriver just does an amazing job depicting this modern-day depiction of a leprechaun, and it's hilarious, and just seeing him introduce and while he's talking about the contract with Wednesday just him throwing darts telling him he's getting hustled just egging on Shadow trying to show him like hey yeah you're a moron you're listening to yeah you're listening to a con man while I'm over here hitting every bullseye because I have luck on my side you're getting under his skin <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not enough luck though when he uh yes, it is. uh loses uh, more than a few coins and teeth. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It really is great. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is a wonderful scene. I I just love the differences in all the characters. You have Shadow who's just stoic and quiet in this moment, unsure of what he's getting into, not sure he should be doing what he's doing, but he isn't left with that many options. Oh, yeah. You have Wednesday, who's just coolly in control. You know, he knows exactly what's going to go on, <laughs> right? This is all pre-planned out. It, this is done. He knew, he knew this was done when Shadow got on the plane. Um, <laughs> and then you have Matt Sweeney, who's just a ball of energy, and anger, and anything in between. It's this combustible energy between all three characters because they're all so different. It really lends the scene an amazing quality uh, because when you have three characters larger than life, I mean, I guess Shadow's kind of normal, but I mean, Wednesday's larger than life, so is Mad Sweeney. Two characters who just completely contrast both one another and definitely Shadow. Uh, it 
it creates a wonderful energy <laughs> for a scene. And I love this whole thing. I think it's such oh, a yeah. brilliant display of characters. You understand who Mad Sweeney is oh, yeah. in three minutes. That's it. Yeah, yeah, truly. He's just that drunk guy at a bar that wants to beat you up. <laughs> and this leads to a fist fight. Which he which he does by starting to talk about Shadow's dead wife. He, God, he's such a he can't, dick. He can't get him to do it otherwise. He can't do it. He's like, yeah, fight me. Nah, I'm not going to fight you. Uh, and then he oh, come on, fight me. I'll show you how to do the coin trick. Ah, I don't want to fight you. And then, well, your wife, that boom, a slow motion right in his head. Oh, it was so brilliant. I loved the way they did that. Yeah, and Shadow still retains, you know, uh, not wanting to fight him even after he says, hey, is your oh, yeah. wife so bitter? It smells of death. And it's when he's starting to say, <laughs> man, your wife was a fine piece of ass that he gets his nose clocked in. And, like Shadow's just like, oh, fuck it. I'm in. <laughs> and they have one We're doing epic this. brawl. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. I will say this. <laughs> Matt Sweeney got his licks in, but Shadow. Oh, God. Shadow's one. Got a few Shadow, more. Yeah, Shadow's one tough dude. Uh, yeah, he has got a lot of blood going on in his face <laughs> during that scene. Like, oh, yeah. he is not looking pretty no mm-hmm. more. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so you guys liked this this whole thing. I mean, I'm sure it, it was, was all great. just like the book. It really was brilliant the way they did oh, yeah. all of it. It's, it's, yeah. It's this moment on that I stop taking notes because I just, I'm too into it that I just can't do anything else. A lot of information thrown at you, a lot of just visuals and effects and just everything from this point on in the show. Good bit. So, <laughs> yes. uh, Shadow wakes up the next morning in the car because, you know, Wednesday's driving and he's got one hell of a hangover and uh, isn't sure where he's at, understand what's going on. He does ask Wednesday if Mad Sweeney showed no him that coin trick and Wednesday said <laughs> he believed that he did. Do you remember seeing it? No, I don't. So, you know, uh, <laughs> nope. Not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they go to uh, a rest stop and Shadow goes in, cleans himself up as best he can because he looks worse for wear right now. Um, because all he wants to do, all he wants to do is get to go see Laura, you know, one more time. And mm-hmm. so he pulls up to the church where she is, you know, the, the service is with all the friends and the family he walks in. It's this, this this beautiful. I don't want to say small church, really, but it's not huge. It does look like a Viking ship overturned. Yeah, yeah. If you, which is a great yeah, touch. Yeah, it is a great touch. He he walks up and stands next to Audrey, who was the the <laughs> wife of Robbie, his friend, who apparently has also died, as well. So. Her performance was amazing. Uh, Brian Fuller tweeted that Betty Gilfin 
would turn around, like, making herself dizzy several times for each scene to give the effect of, you know, someone who's on a lot of drugs right now (laughs) to cope. And holy crap, does she deliver? She's so good. Crazy character. Mm. The craziness in her. (laughs) 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 She... Oh, she must have been, even in her normalcy, without having to deal with betrayal and grief and all this, that she was still a wild child. Like, I can't see her being chill at all. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think with Audrey, what you get is what you see in some version or another, even if it's a lesser version. Um, so, so that's when she informs Shadow. You know, because Shadow doesn't know what happened, but that's when Shadow learns uh, that, you know, when when Laura died, she was, uh, <laughs> she was. She says it so subtly, yes. telling him, uh, your wife died with my husband's cock in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, how oh, yeah, classy at a funeral with all her family around. She says it decently around. loud her, enough. Her it's that. anyone can yeah. hear. No way. <laughs> Thanks, Audrey. Nobody heard her say that. Oh, yeah, she had uh, my husband's cock in her mouth. That's kind of a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in a church, it echoes. Yeah. The churches are known for having very echoing and... <laughs> Interesting acoustics when it comes to Your ears kind of tune into that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sure do. (laughs) Yeah, so this uh, leads to the burial outside. Uh, The one of the slightly (laughs) comic moments where, you know, Shadow pushes the button, the it goes down, but it kind of gets stuck. And so the uh, how horrible. Yeah, so the um, uh, a caretaker, I, I think. Um, to the, the, the what's the guy called? Like the does more, mortician uh, care guy. The guy that does, deals with the yeah, the groundskeeper. He has to kind of push it, jam it, hit it to get it to go down, <laughs> and like it's just one of those like mortifying yet also slightly dark comic moments where you're like all the things of course that would happen you know so it's sad but uh (laughs) friendly it's it's (laughs) that's not the end of the scene because audrey is very kind we'll put it that way yeah basically yeah (laughs) yeah Shadow's there the whole day, you know, they take all the stuff away, they bury her, get all the ground and stuff on top of the casket, and, you know, he's saying his piece, um, trying to have some closure and get some anger out and throw the coin into the pile of dirt, and that's when Audrey comes up, pulling her pants up, classy as fuck. (laughs) I was like, God, what the hell is she doing? She looks really weird, like, she's like squatting over to him. Oh. And I'm like, oh, okay. You pissed on his grave. Got it. <laughs> and she's just like, and she wants to get revenge. She wants to get her dignity back. I will say this is a scene that's both terrifying and yet you feel so bad for her. In a way, you don't in the books. Because the books the book yep. never gives you a chance to feel bad for her character. Um, whereas in this, you, you, you do feel bad for her 
even though you're mortified to what she's doing and saying to Shadow, which is, hey, let's do it right here. Let's get our revenge. You know, that's what we should do. I'll do anything you want. You know, I'll... Come in my mouth so I can spit it onto Robbie's grave. I'm just like, yeah, Jesus, girl. Oh, I'm trying to get my dignity back. <laughs> you need a cocktail. Yeah, no, that's and some not what you're doing right now. ASAP. Okay. <laughs> that's a way to uh, lose what oh. remaining dignity you have. <laughs> I'm like, mm, are you really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It... In fact, it's going pretty rapidly. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty bad. Uh, it but it's a a tough scene to watch, but it's also illuminating for for her because you do see the pain she's in, the anguish. It's just it's coming out in this abrasive manner, which I think is like I said. It, I don't think Neil Gaiman got that across very well in the book, you know, or maybe he didn't see her as that character. But I like the way they they tackle her so far which is even amidst the abrasiveness that you see it's abrasive for a reason you know she's just had her whole world shattered not only is her best friend dead not only is her husband dead but they were also sleeping together so what do you do now how do you process (laughs) that how do you how do you find a way to cope with that yeah and it's just this isn't the way to do it, I think, but I also understand to a certain degree why and the reason she's t- trying to take this route. So, yeah, I like how they did that. Yeah, and Betty Gilpin, I mean, her performance is incredible. Yeah. She, I, There's not a moment of where I can see her breaking. She's completely in this character, in it for every single moment. Yeah, kudos to her, big time. It's a hard scene. Okay, so Shadow's walking home after this, and <laughs> he sees like a flicker to his right, I believe, walks over, and this is a brilliant way they did this. He sees this, I didn't understand what it was the first place, <laughs> you know, when I saw it, but it was like this little helmet thing. And I'm like, what is that? I don't remember this in the book. And all of a sudden, like, <laughs> this thing flies up and hits his face. And he's kind of like sucked down into it. Yeah. And he, like, it's like virtual reality. Like, the technical boy. That's exactly what it is. Technical boy, yeah, right. The technical boy that we meet, this is his virtual reality. He constructs the car that we see in the book, you know, around him in virtual reality. So Shadow is sitting there. There's two faceless goons on either side of them. And we meet, <laughs> yeah. of course, the technical boy played by brilliantly by Bruce Langley in this episode. Yeah, he he kills it too. It's so good. <laughs> and I remember just like yelling at the TV too. Like, you know, Shadow, when all the lights in the street go out and you start to see shiny bugs and fireflies, don't go up to the hive Why and not? poke it, okay? Like, start walking the other way. <laughs> but. What? Like, you idiot. <laughs> but, whatever. Curiosity kills the cats. Uh, kitty or puppy or whatever. Uh, definitely gets his mind sucked into this virtual reality thing and yeah Bruce Langley kills it yeah. I mean he's so good I mean he 
he is such a sweetheart <laughs> in real life. To see him be this hateable little shit is pure gold. I mean, yeah. it's awesome to watch. He's the new Joffrey. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he was <laughs> annoying in the book, and so it's right. He's annoying here. So, right. <laughs> yeah. um, but of course he wants to know what's Wednesday's plan and Shadow's like I don't know what you're talking about I just met him I just started working for him and I love how he sets these goons on Shadow they're like a virus almost you know like duplicating virus and so they like attack Shadow to like to start to beat him up and that's when uh, Techno Boy says, you know, you could be deleted, you could be overwritten, and he presses a button and it ejects Shadow out into the real world again. But unfortunately, there's also the men around him, and they start kicking and beating the crap out of Shadow. I mean, brutal. <laughs> like, this is like they're going to kill him. And what a topper to right. the night. Um, they just go full out. I mean, there's so much blood, it's ridiculous. And that's when the noose that we keep seeing throughout the show uh, gets put around his neck. He gets dragged, hung up, and, you know, they're going to kill him. They're going to hang him. And when he's up there hanging, in the rain, by the way, all in slow motion, which is brilliant. I just love the way this is framed and shot. Um, he's, his feet are kicking around, his face is all bloody, he's trying to reach up, but then his arms go limp, and then you see blood fly, they hit, it hit, like, hits his shoes, there's blood spray everywhere, the, uh, the rope uh, rips, he falls to the ground, and you, you just see all these goons just being eviscerated, chopped in <laughs> half, ripped, shredded, <laughs> just bones and blood flying everywhere. Everywhere. It's gorgeous. And it's gorgeous in the brutality and the just the just beautiful sprays. And buckets of corn. The problem syrup. right. Again, stock <laughs> in the companies. Um and Shadow gets like hit in the face, which is like this big blob it hits him in the face and uh the problem is at least at this point for us we don't know who's the who the person is that's actually doing it at this point we don't know nope. in the show so who's this person who's coming out of nowhere and saved shadow's life essentially we don't know so that is how the episode ends so who do you guys think it is idea. uh okay well here's a question are, are we are we uh, going into spoiler section now? Because uh, we want to talk for a couple of minutes on spoilers, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, so we discussed it without going into uh, future spoilers. If you uh, don't want to listen to future spoilers, I'm going to give our info right now, and then we'll go into a spoiler section. So uh, if you're heading out right now, you can uh, feel free to send us some feedback on this episode or the upcoming episodes, or if you want to let us know something, know some information, something we missed, or you know, just anything you want to talk about, you can do so by sending an email to americangodspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at americangodspod. Our personal ones are at labyrinthrose and at michael underscore lanick, and we're on Facebook as well. And we have our website, www.americangodspodcast.com. So now we're going to go into spoilers. Okay. Absolutely.
So yeah. as for who's there doing that, uh, Laura. You think that's Laura? Yeah, I think it's Laura. I think he 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 tossed the coin in the in there. It uh, it it went into the dirt. I don't think it took more than a few minutes for her to come out. And uh, I mean, how much time between Audrey and him walking home? What, ten, fifteen minutes probably? He was just walking past the cemetery. So I'm thinking, yeah, it hasn't been that long. She's out. She knows he's in trouble, and she eviscerates all those guys. I just can't see, like, I know there's the scene where, you know, she's blood covered and gotten her arm. Actually, you know what? This makes sense. (laughs) I always thought the arm thing was from the autopsy, but it's from this. She probably beats the shit out of him with her arm and they have to sew her arm back on. (laughs) So. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm on board. Um, Sarah, you said there was a couple things you wanted to talk about here in the spoiler section. So what what did you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the airplane scene where Mr. Wednesday and Shadow are there talking. Uh, Mr. Wednesday has this great line <laughs> where he offers uh, Shadow a drink and Shadow just gives him this look. And he says, I offer you the worm from my beak and you look at me like I fucked your mom. <laughs> and oh, I laughed God. so hard. I mean, that was brilliant. <laughs> you did fuck oh, his God, mom. <laughs> yeah. uh, especially because. Oh, uh, I'm so happy with that. You thought it was some sure You thought it was brilliant too, Jacob, right? about Shadow after all of this and you find out his real name. Yes. And I... If if you want to read the short story, it's called The Monarch of Gwen. It's in Scotland. Seriously? takes place. So it's... How do I not know about this? Um, If you want, I can tell you guys what his actual name is. Uh (laughs) It's Balder. Then... Yes. Well, it's spoiler he section, is... so go ahead. I mean, tell her. I know the name. Go for go it. Ahead. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is actually a Nordic what? god himself. <laughs> yeah. I'd give myself a fake yeah. name, too. <laughs> it's the god. The god Balder. Yep. Okay. He just doesn't know it. Which makes sense, because exactly. we know he has powers. And it kind of helps uh, your guys' yep. so previous theory about if how he has powers, therefore he is probably may end up being a god. Bilkers. So... There you go. It, it could very easily be the way they take this, especially if they do yeah. allude to. Yeah, I so hope that that's they, what's going to happen. Talk about his actual name in this show. Well, they 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 even ref, yeah. ref, uh, in that scene Wednesday references uh shadow's mom as what your mom big afro you know like disco queen you just imagine like yeah he knows who he's talking about here (laughs) so he's not just being you know stereotypical he knows um is there anything else uh you want to talk about in the spoiler section before we wrap up um i think that was it for uh, what I want to talk about, I mean, yeah, yeah, because we can get to Loki closer to the end of the season, I think. There'll be lots of talk about him. Uh, yeah, so I think that's good for spoilers. Okay. Um, I think we can all agree that the direction in this episode was brilliant. Um, the cinematography, 
exceptional. Um, the acting, ridiculous. Uh, this was a brilliant first episode. And look, if you haven't seen American Gods, um, in that, oh, don't, don't, don't well, put it this way, if you haven't read American Gods, the book, right. then you might be a little confused, but that's okay. <laughs> the, the show, the, yeah, the show shouldn't dole everything out to you. Yeah, uh, just the illusion. Um, although it does so give you a lot more information like than I thought the... it would. One good eye reference for Wednesday. Yeah. Like, no one knowing that this is... I mean, hopefully people would make the assumption because it is called American Gods and in right. the description it yep. talks right. about these gods of old and, you know, the Viking scene. Hopefully people can get that, oh, hey, he's Odin. And... Yes. Well, and that was another thing about Wednesday. Right. They yeah. did such a good He's job a, of really making of it out. Like, when they close, like, got real together. close yeah. to his eyes. You, don't... you could tell that his right one was was a little off from his left one. Like, you could tell the, it, it was glass. Like, or supposed to look like it was glass. And, like, they did a really good job with that. At least I mm -hmm. thought they really kind of showed that really well. Yeah. They did it. It was subtle, but it was obvious at the same time. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like, you could tell something was off, and yet they didn't just... They didn't make it like, oh, hey, look, he has a glass eye. It was just... that's He had, probably has a glass eye. Okay, fine. Um, so, oh, it's yeah, that's well done. Very well done. Yeah. And there's just some great lines in this movie <laughs> that are just cringy too like especially that with Bilquist and that guy where he's like you're the sexiest thing I've gotten to touch for free I'm like oh. well you got you're a real charmer yeah. there buddy yeah real stand up guy <laughs> uh, and I, uh, I love Bilquist scene so much and <laughs> as crude as it is it's just oh like my. I feel like it's a lesson for everybody out there <laughs> if you don't eat the pussy the pussy will eat you oh fair point <laughs> Basically, do your due diligence is what you're saying. Bill Quist is giving a sex lesson right now. Oh like, literally, that guy climbs on top of her and he's, like, ready to come. And it's oh. like, oh, God, I would eat you, too. <laughs> uh, like, she's not even a hooker. Right. <laughs> it's not acceptable. So let me ask you a question here because we're, we're getting towards That's our grade tough. section. Before we get to that. What who? What's your favorite That's character? That's so tough. So My far? favorite character. So, uh, Jacob, oh. you take it first. What's your favorite character in the pilot? Yeah, you can't like, do that. All so good. Well, some questions are brutal. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like if I had now, purely just because I'd rather pour salt into open wounds than choose how well this this <laughs> actor did for this character, and it just. Like I even said, uh, just I did not know how he would sound in the show, and he just did it perfectly. Loki Lysmith, like he just blew me away in those prison scenes. He 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 depicted how somebody okay. in that scenario, how a modern depicted god would be, and it just. He do, it just is how I would imagine him sound. Now that I've heard it, I cannot unhear 
Jonathan Tucker as that character anytime I read the books. It's just gonna. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's great. What about you, Sarah? What's your favorite character? Uh, <laughs> God, I have to. I have to say, ah, it's so hard. Every time I'm like, I'm like, okay, this character. Then I'm like, oh, but what about technical boy? It's like, mm, God darn it. <laughs> Probably Billquist. I think I have to just because. Yutene Badaki's gonna have some balls to do that scene and you know, have be completely naked and so vulnerable and she freaking rocks being a god and wanting to be worshipped and dominating and I love it. I love that scene so much that she it's just it's such an an interesting scene to watch too because it's like nothing that anyone has ever seen on TV before and it's something that you'll remember for the rest of your life is watching this scene yeah. I can't not give it to her <laughs> totally Belquis for me I have to give it to Mad Sweeney um, <laughs> fan favorite for a reason uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of him unlike in the book we're going to see a lot more of Mad Sweeney uh, but I just I love the depiction and I was afraid whenever um i saw who was being who's going to play him because i knew the actor and i'd seen him on like orange is the new black uh, and some other shows um pablo schreiber did a amazing an amazing job here uh he embodied mm -hmm. the drunk arrogant leprechaun that mad sweeney is uh the the kind of half crazy um, half-cocked kind of attitude and just I don't care kind of attitude that he has. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a leprechaun. Yeah, who cares if anybody hears? No one here is too drunk anyway to believe me. They'll just think I'm crazy. Exactly. I and I just I love his depiction. I love the his body language. I love the way he talks to Shadow. I love the way he interacts with everybody. And it's a brilliant performance so far, and I just love what what they're doing with the <laughs> character. So, yep, for me, it's gonna be Matt Sweeney. So, all right. Yeah, um, I think that's fair for all of us. So let's get to our final thoughts and grade for uh, the pilot. So, Jacob, you take it well away. Done. Final thoughts on the pilot, Script, the Bone Orchard, effects, and what's your grade? Acting, here? everything about this show is everything that I wanted it to be from reading the books and reading the short stories and everything. And it just makes me super excited for the next rest of the season and what they can do for season two as well. And I have to give it an A plus because I, I can't find really any fault, any issue that, is worth too much to really anybody that I know. So it's got to be an A plus for me. Okay. Awesome. Great. Sarah. Yeah. I mean, this episode, I mean, they started off with a big bang. It's perfection from the get go. 
there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, it's got everything that Brian Fuller is known for. You know, it's visuals, it's you know, the music, and the the great lines, the foreshadowing, the twisting of lines. Everything is done so well. Oh, it's such an incredible episode. I have to give it an A plus too, because I mean, this is the best thing to grace TV since Hannibal and. What a shock. It's the same guy, of course. Right. <laughs> but it just feels like we're returning to something that's just uh, worth worshipping. <laughs> I guess no words better express uh, your uh, amazement and joy in this uh, episode and series so far. Uh, that's yeah, cute. Joy. joy. <laughs> All right. Uh, as for me, I, I can't disagree with anything that either of you are saying. I think the quality across the board is outstanding. People that love Hannibal and understand uh, what qualities Hannibal had as a show that made it stand out so much, made it such a critical favorite uh, year after year. And granted, the three short years that it was on the air, the critics understood what was so great about Hannibal and the qualities that it possessed as a show. And of course, having Brian Fuller in the background is much of the reason why. So, of course, with American Gods having him back there, along with Neil Gaiman, along with Seth Green, or I'm sorry, Michael Green. Michael (laughs) Green. Green. Michael Green. (laughs) I'm like, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, He's going to cut you. But having them back there, the talent, it, it speaks well for what we have here moving forward and so those qualities that Hannibal possessed are the same qualities in a lot of ways that American Gods possess possesses now because I feel like uh, the translation works so well and I think moving those qualities from a show like Hannibal which is so vastly different from American Gods but yet somehow they translate so well here and uh what we have are great characters, a great story, amazing visuals, wonderful writing, beautiful cinematography, and acting across the board. You can tell everyone's bringing their A game. And so I, of course, can't give it anything less than an A+. And I, look, if you all of you out there, you're groaning because you're like, oh, okay, gee, three A-pluses, uh, of course. Um, you have to understand, this is a really fantastic pilot. It really is. We wouldn't give it an A plus if we really didn't feel it was deserved. Uh, we we do other shows, movies. Uh, we do reviews for like uh, Friday Night Lights. We have a podcast, Friday Night Mics, that uh, reviews that show. We have uh, the Freaking Geeks podcast. We do a lot of uh, movies on there. We're not always in agreement as to the quality of a movie or if we're watching Friday Night Lights each episode. Uh, Sarah and I have reviewed episodes on there where we've had vastly different views and sometimes our views have been been very similar and they haven't been great on the episode. Maybe the episode wasn't very good. It was not among the best. So don't feel like, um, you know, we're just tossing out a pluses like they're candy here. Uh, we did, we really feel collectively Jacob, uh, Sarah and I, that this is just a brilliant first episode in what could be a really great, great show uh, and a great series. So, yeah, it it's they're all deserved. I think. I think we can all agree on that. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know a person who would rate it any lower. <laughs> well, there are some out there, but uh, we'll we'll get into some of that maybe next week. So 
uh, <laughs> as we get some more uh, feedback, hopefully we'll get, you know, hey, listen, send some feedback in if you'd want to. Uh, Sarah mentioned that already in the, early in the podcast. She told you where you can send the feedback. If you have views on this show, whether it's positive or negative, or, or you are at odds with some of our views, uh, don't be afraid to let us know because, you know, that's what we like here. We like conversation. We like uh, different points of view. We just like opinions, um, even if they are similar to our own. So don't uh, be afraid in letting us know what you think about uh, the show, about us, about the podcast, how we're doing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, send some uh, feedback in if you feel you'd like to. All right. So yes. uh, I think that's it for this episode, the first episode of uh, kind of like a relaunching, you could say, for the American Gods podcast, just because in a way it is, you know, we finally are here after a year of getting ready for the season. We are now finally reviewing episodes of American Gods. So tune in next week. Of course, we'll be back for yet another episode. It'll be season one, episode two. Uh, We're looking forward to it. Really excited. I'm looking forward to it. Sarah, I'm guessing you are too. Oh, every second I'm counting. (laughs) Jacob, I'm sure you're like tingling with the anticipation absolutely of course and uh, we hope you are too and we hope you'll tune in next week to hear what we have to say about the second episode of American Gods until then have a good week and we'll catch you in the next one night godlings